Welcome to the Rhodes Church Podcast. We are so excited to connect with you. We hope that this podcast builds your faith and that you will be encouraged and inspired by this week's message. Hey, we're on a series we called um, The Basic Training, The Making of a Soldier. So we've been talking about it for three weeks. I think it's our fourth week here. We're going to get into it today. So the sermon notes are available there in your worship guides if you are in one of our services live or if you're watching online or if you want to use your phone, the YouVersion Bible app, the sermon notes are available there. You can download them also off of our website. But here at the Rose Church, we believe that God wants to speak to us every time we open the Bible, that God's got something to say to us. So if you have your Bibles with you this morning, E-Rhodes family, Mount Carmel, Nora City, wherever you are, Pull those Bibles out. Let's get excited and we open them up to Matthew chapter 28. Woo! Matthew 28. Anybody excited to be in church? Yes. 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 Yes needs to be a two-syllable word. Yes. That's three. I can make it into three syllables. Yeah, what is it? Matthew chapter 28, right there by Mark. Matthew 28. We'll start reading in verse 16. When you're ready, say, I'm ready. All right, I love it. You guys are pumped and ready to go. Verse 16 says, Then the eleven disciples went away into Galilee to the mountain, which Jesus had appointed for them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. Let's pray together. Father, I just thank you for the word. Holy Spirit, I welcome you right now in Jesus' name. We desire you and we need you. And I say, come, Holy Spirit. Come through every screen, every television, every iPad, every laptop, every phone. Right there in Mount Carmel location, God. I just pray for your presence to be with us. Without you, there is no purpose in us gathering. So we want you, Lord. I want you to bring truth to it. I want you to bring this alive today, God. Be more than a sermon, more than a message, but I pray Truly, that people will hear your voice right where they are and be drawn to you. Jesus, be glorified. All praise to you in Jesus' mighty name. Somebody say amen. amen. Here we find in Matthew 28 where the disciples see Jesus again. Here towards the very last of their encounter with Jesus before he ascends up into heaven. And they, they come in contact with him. And these are kind of his parting words, if you will. Some of them here in Matthew 28. Acts 1 has some parting words. And all of this culminating from the last exchange. And notice what it says here when they saw him, when they saw Jesus. So they saw him crucified. They saw him buried, uh, sorry, crucified, taken off the cross, put in the tomb, stone rolled over the tomb. They saw all of that. And now they're seeing him alive in person. How many know that's kind of a big deal? If you saw someone crucified, buried in a tomb, and then you saw them alive afterwards, you might be a little bit impressed. <laughs> I'm just saying it's kind of a big deal. How many dead people have you seen walking around? I'm waiting. Not a lot. It doesn't happen every day. So they, they see Jesus. And notice what happens, though. When they saw him, it says, some worshipped him and some doubted. When we're talking about making a soldier 
One of the things we've got to get set in our mind from the jump, from the get-go, is that some people are going to worship, some people are going to doubt. We're seeing in our world today, we're seeing what's happening. There is nothing you can say, there's nothing you can uh, put out there in a post that's going to get universal acceptance. There's times, that, and this is tough for me because I, I want everybody to like me. I'm just that guy that I want everybody to get along. Everybody want, I just want everybody to like me. And I'm just always shocked when people don't like me. <laughs> but you've got to realize that some people are not going to like you and you just have to get over it. There's nothing you can put out. You can put out there, I love ice cream. And some people's going to blow up your feed and talk about how offensive that was that you're not considerate of those people who are lactose intolerant. There's no way to not offend somebody. So here's what God spoke to me, and I'm still, I'm processing it. Maybe it'll help you. Here's what he said. I want you to focus on individual obedience over universal acceptance. So Chad, you start drilling down. Focus on individual obedience instead of universal acceptance. If we can all just learn to obey God when what he tells us to do, and stop worrying about if everybody else approves with what God told you, you will live in a lot more peace. Just receive that. So now we talked about this, two things that every soldier needs to know, two things that every disciple, I'm going to do this kind of, you know, I've titled it basic training. So I'm thinking of it and I'm processing it through a way of if God would put someone in front of me, male or female, and say, this person, I want them to grow up and become a full devoted follower of Jesus, then I'm just trying to think on how I would talk to them, how how I would give this to them, how I'd teach it to them. Two things every Christian needs to know. Number one, every Christian needs to know their mission. Mission speaks to direction. Means, this means what's the objective? What's the goal? What are we trying to accomplish? Every soldier in the military, they need to know their mission. What I see a problem in Christianity is when we forget our mission. We forget our why. What's our objective? What are we supposed to be doing? What's my purpose in this life? Why am I doing what am I doing? That's your mission. We get discouraged, we get off track, we start following other things and start going other directions when we get off mission, when we forget why we're here. And I just want to remind the church, we need to live on mission, on purpose. I'm talking about an internal mission, not an external mission that everybody tells me what I should be doing. There should be something on the inside of you that tells you why you get up every day. This is why I live. This is why I chose Christianity. This is why I serve Jesus. There's sometimes I'm like, oh, man, it's hard. Difficulty, face adversity, face challenges. But there should be some mission in your heart that says, wait a minute. Yeah, I remember why I signed up for this. I remember why I confess Jesus as Lord. I remember why I live with a purpose. I remember why I'm breathing. I'm telling you, there are people watching right now, listening to my voice, that they have lost their mission. And God's saying, get back on mission. Get back on mission. Live with mission. Live with purpose. I'm not saying purpose means you understand everything that's going on in your life and how everything's going to play out. No, I'm just saying, get in it for the long haul. I'm on a mission to serve Jesus Christ. Come hell or high water, I'm committed my life to him. I don't know what's going to happen a week from now. I don't know what's going to happen six months from now. But I know whom I'm going to be serving. I'm going to be living on mission to give my life to Jesus. Mission. You got no mission. You got to know your direction. Where am I going? I don't know what's going to happen on the way. Stop getting discouraged. I'm I'm preaching to Chad right now. Stop getting discouraged when you don't know what's going to happen on the way and just get on the way. 
Christianity in the New Testament was called the way in first century church. We just need to get on the way and trust him who is the way, the truth, and the life. Come on, let's move on. Direction. Number two, we need to know rules of engagement. We need to know rules of engagement. This deals with authority. Every Christian needs to know the concept of authority. Here's what the rules of engagement are. When, where, how, and against whom force may be used, and what actions soldiers or believers may take on their own authority, and what directions they may be, that may be issued by the commanding officer. Now, both of these are given in this passage. Mission and rules of engagement. And I'm telling you, every believer needs to know these. Jesus gives the rules of engagement first. He talks about it in verse 18, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Then he gives the mission empowered by the engagement. And then he goes on and says, go therefore and make disciples. So he gives the rules of engagement, all authority has been given to me. Then he says, now I want you to go. So no, look at this word there, it says go therefore in verse 19. Go therefore. Really, uh, in English, I would like to translate this verse a little bit different. I like to switch those words around. Instead of it, go, therefore, I would rather it read, therefore, go. And the reason I'm saying that from a teaching standpoint, from an instruction standpoint, is the word, therefore, is a word that means consequently or cause and effect of what precedes to what follows, a reaction as a result of an action. So here's why I say switch it around because I would understand it better. Maybe yours sharper than me, but I would understand it better if it would say, therefore, go. So Jesus said, all authority has been given to me in heaven and earth. Now, therefore, because of that cause and effect, now go. Break it down for you. This word, therefore, is very important because it deals with there is a cause that produces the opportunity for an effect. An example, it rained for three days straight cause the effect the road was flooded over. Cause, it's 20 degrees outside, effect, I will wear my coat. Cause and effect. The cause in this passage that we're talking about is, is that Jesus said all authority has been given to me. Therefore, points back to the cause. So when it says, because of all authority been given to Jesus, now I want you to go. So let's look at the therefore, the, the authority. When he said, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth, why is that significant? Every soldier or disciple needs to grasp the kingdom concept of authority. Let me give you two keys to authority. I talked about them last week, but I want to reinstate them just for one purpose. Number one, every disciple needs to understand their source of authority. As I listen to the landscape going on around the world, let alone in the church world, one of the significant problems I think is the church has lost its source of authority. I'm speaking obviously generally, not every single person in every single situation, but I think in general, a source of authority is key for us. Now, what does authority mean? Authority is the Greek word exousia, which means ability and power over a domain or sphere of influence. So follow along. This is important for, your, for our Christianity. Authority, when he says all authority has been given to me in heaven and earth, Authority means the ability and power over a domain or sphere of influence, jurisdiction, limits, or territory within which authority may be exercised. Let me break it down in an easier way. Authority is the territory or jurisdiction where power and ability can be exercised. 
So it's a territory or jurisdiction where power and ability can be exercised. If you have an authority in an area, you have jurisdiction, that means the power and, and power and ability that you have can be exercised in that area. So let me ask these questions. So Jesus has how much authority according to the scripture? You can go ahead and you can answer. Just play along with me. Jesus has how much authority? All. all. So if he has all authority, what authority is above his? None. None. Right? You're good students. It's good. So if all authority is below him, what are the domains and territories where his authority can be exercised? Is it only on church property? Where, what are the domains and territories where his authority can be exercised or where is Jesus' jurisdiction? He says, in heaven and on earth. What does that mean? Well, in heaven, you know, I understand, of course he has authority in heaven. No, 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 don't, don't limit it. When he says in heaven, you need to remember that heaven, there's three heavens. Three heavens talked about in the scripture. The first heaven is just the sky. The, heaven, the, the heavens around is just the sky, the atmosphere. The second heaven is the spiritual realm where demonic forces and angelic hosts operate. The third heaven that Paul talked about, God took him to the third heaven, is where God lives. So there's three heavens. So when Jesus said, all authority has been given to me, let me lay out to you my hood. Let me lay out to you my jurisdiction. It's the heaven, the heavenlies, and in heaven itself, and on the earth. That's where he has all authority. We have to grasp this in our heart. Jesus has ultimate authority everywhere. You're like, well, that's basic. No, 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 it's not basic if it's not in our heart. If it's in my heart, I'm not worried about what the news says because Jesus has ultimate authority everywhere. See, when we as believers, if we're going to say that Jesus has all authority everywhere, then why would we ever be afraid anytime, anywhere? I realize that fear is going to come. I realize anxiety is going to come. I realize discouragement is going to come. But when it comes, we got to realize what jurisdiction we are in. I got to look around me and say, wait a minute, I'm pretty much up in Jesus' jurisdiction. So I look to the ultimate authority to find my response to what's happening in the world. Why? Because he's in charge. If I don't think he's in charge, then I'll get afraid and I'll wait for someone else to tell me what it's okay to do and what not to do. But when I understand he's in charge, then I will look to him and say, Lord, what do you want me to do in this season? Even when other people tell me it's not okay to do it, you're an ultimate authority. So now we've got to understand who's the source of authority. Number two, we've got to understand submission to authority. This is basic training for a believer. Submission to authority. When you enlist in the army, remember, you submit to a system of authority. When you become a Christian, you submit to a structure, a system of authority. The kingdom of God is based on authority. Now, you're not, sometimes we understand clearly, okay, submit to authority means, okay, God, we don't have any problem submitting to God. But you're not just submitting to God or those over you. You're submitting to a system of authority. In the military, it'd be like this. I submit to a system of authority that I understand if I come in as a lieutenant, I submit to those in authority over me. The colonel is over me. I'm submitted to him. But I also understand as a lieutenant that I'm submitted to the system of authority that as a lieutenant I have a responsibility to exercise authority to those who are under me. That's a responsibility on my lap. 
And we don't have any problem usually understanding our submission to God and his authority, but what we usually forget in the church is that we submitted to a system that gives you and I a responsibility to uh, exercise authority over things that are under us. Let me, let me explain it. Let me explain it. Luke chapter 10, verse 19, behold, I give you authority. This is Jesus talking. I give you the authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power, over all the power, over or under all the power of the enemy. Over or under all the power of the enemy? You don't have it yet. Over or under all the power of the enemy? Over or under all the power of the enemy? All the power of the enemy? Over or under? Is your authority over or under all the power of the enemy? It's got, you got to hear it several times before it becomes heart knowledge for you. Your authority given to you by Jesus, is it over or under all the power of the enemy? Over. So now... You and I, we step into a system that I have the responsibility to submit to the ultimate authority of Jesus, but I also submit to the structure that says I have to exercise authority over everything that is under me. Romans 16, the God of peace will soon crush Satan underneath your feet. If I refuse to exercise my authority with those who are under me, then I am not honoring those who are over me. Selah. If I refuse to exercise my authority to those who are under me, I am not honoring those who are over me. Think military for a minute. If the colonel gives me orders and tells me what to do to instruct the rest of my troops that are under me, if I refuse to exercise my authority to those that are under me, I am no use in not honoring those who are above me. The same thing in the spirit. If God's going to give me authority over all the power of the enemy, and if I don't exercise that authority over those things that are under me, I'm not honoring the one who gave it to me and died to give it to me. Jesus took a beating so that I could have victory over sin. So he says, he's not, he's not telling me sin's not going to come, temptation's not going to come, trouble's not going to come. He says, when it comes, step into your authority and exercise that authority over the things that are under you. It is not arrogance to operate in authority given to you by Jesus. It is negligence not to. Some people talk about operating authority and, and, and they say, oh, you're just prideful and full of pride. How come when Jesus came and taught, what is the one thing they said was different about his speaking than everyone else? He comes speaking words. He comes speaking different. What's so different about Jesus when he comes and speaks? He speaks as one having authority. Was Jesus full of pride? But he was full of authority. Did he go to the demons and say, demon, I know I'm nothing. But God, if it be your will, would you please cast out this demonic? Is that how he operated? The Bible says he rebuked the demon and commanded it to come out. He even told it to shut up and not to speak. I'll tell you when to speak and what to speak. That's someone having authority. And if we walk like that as believers, some people are going to accuse you of being prideful and arrogant. Those people that accuse you of being prideful and arrogant are the same people that are consumed with fear and they don't know what to do in their life. So don't listen to those voices and identify yourself with something that God has not called you. You are not full of fear. You're not supposed to cower and wonder what to do. You're supposed to speak boldly under the authority of Jesus and command those things that are under you to stay under you in Jesus' name. Oh, Jesus. That's the cause. That's just the cause. 
So the cause is, all authority has been given to me in heaven and earth. That's what Jesus said. Now, what's the effect? The effect is, therefore, therefore, because all authority has been given to Jesus, because all authority has been given to Jesus, and he has jurisdiction over all territories, because of that, go, 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 therefore, go. Look at your neighbor and say, I got to go, I got to go, I got to go, I got to go. That go just means to move from one place to another. Move from one place to another. Because all authority has been given to me, Jesus said, now I want you to go, go. The good thing about when God tells us to go, what I love about God is he doesn't just send us, he goes with us. Amen. He says, hey, because all authority has been given to me on heaven and earth, now you go. And guess what? I'm coming too. He's not just sending us haphazardly. The Bible says this in Joshua chapter 1, verse 9. Have, not, have I not commanded you, be strong and of good courage, do not be afraid nor be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you Go wherever you go. Second Chronicles 20, 17. You will not need to fight in this battle. Position yourself, stand still, and see the salvation of the Lord who is with you, O Judah and Jerusalem. Here we go. Do not fear or be dismayed. Tomorrow go out against them, for the Lord is with you. Why do we go out against our enemies? Why do I go out against fear? Why do I go out against, against intimidation? Why do I go out against discouragement, depression, whatever may be coming against me? I go out not because I'm something. I go out because of who's with me. Like, yeah, you may be bigger than me. You may be stronger than me. You may be tougher than me. I'm not, I probably can't overcome this. I'm not going to be able to get through this family situation. I'm not going to get through this marital situation. I can't do it. My kids, I, there's no way I'm going to be able to do it. I know it. I can't do it. But <laughs> let me tell you, something. have you seen who's with me? I know I'm not much. I know I'm not much. Temptation. I, I know I'm not much. But have you seen my big brother? Have you seen the one who's with me? I'm coming out against you, not because of who I am, because who is with me. I believe the church many times forgets who's with them, and they're more concentrated on who's against them than they are with them. And I just come to remind myself, and maybe you too, we got to remember that if the Lord is with us, who can be against us? If God's on my side, what am we afraid of? If God's with me, then why are we cowering in fear? If God's with us, why are we concerned and filled with anxiety? God is with me. He says, go. I'm with you. I'm with you. I believe that's the way he says it. I check. Come on. Let's go. I'm with you. I'm with you. That's what I feel like. Lord, I'm going to go into this. I'm going to step out in this. I'm not, I'm not sure. I'm stepping into this new job. I'm stepping into this school system. I'm stepping into this structure. I know what's going to happen. I'm trying to teach the kids. I know what's going to happen with this and the mask and the, and the schedule and the blocks. And I, I don't know what it's going to do. God says, come on. Step out into it. I'm with you. I'm with you. I'm with you. I don't know. I don't want to do it with my kids. I don't have to homeschool my kids. It's going to be different. I'm not sure I can do it. I'm sure Come on. I'm with you. I'm with you. Wherever you go, I'm with you. I'll never leave you nor forsake you. I'm struggling. I don't know what to do in my life. I'm going off into college or I'm graduating from college. I don't know my job. He's with you. Mm. Go on. Go on, Chad. Go on. We got we to remember who's with you. Now, look what he says. He's with me. He says, go, therefore. And make disciples. So here's the effect. The cause was all authority is given to Jesus in heaven and earth. So because he has ultimate authority, now we go and here's the effect. What are we supposed to do? Here's the mandate. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations. That's what we're supposed to be doing. Here's the mission. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations. That's what to do. We're supposed to be making disciples of all nations. Number two is how to do it. And we'll talk about that later where it says to baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to observe all things uh, that I've taught you. But the, what to do is go and make disciples. Now I want to break this down for a moment. 
in English. Look where it says, go therefore and make disciples. In English, in the English translation, it looks like the word make is the verb and disciples is the object. I'm not trying to give you too much schooling. So if your head's spinning, just relax. Make disciples. So what it looks like it's saying in English is that we're supposed to make something. Make disciples. But remember that the Bible was written, Old Testament was written in Hebrew. New Testament was written in Greek and Aramaic. The Greek word here for make disciples is not two words, it's one word. And it's a verb. So instead of make being the verb, disciples being the object, and we translate in English, we're supposed to make something. We're supposed to make someone. In the, in the verb language, in the original Greek language, it just says go and disciple. It's a verb. It's a verb. It's an action. It's something we're supposed to do. It's not something we're supposed to make. It's something we're supposed to do. It's not something I'm supposed to produce in my life. It's something I'm supposed to be in my life. So we talk about making disciples, we get intimidated because we think that's something I'm supposed to create. Like i got to make somebody believe a certain way, make them change their life and become something. And I, that's too much pressure. i got to change a person's life. I can't make disciples. I don't know my Bible that well. That's not what the Word says. The Word says you and I go and disciple. Just disciple. Well, that's still an intimidating word. Not when you understand what it means. Here's what the word means. It's a word, you know, just a Greek word. It doesn't matter. I can't pronounce it. I can't speak English, let alone Greek. So it says, to train, to teach, or instruct. To train, to teach, or instruct. So in other words, go out and live your life in front of someone. And your life will train, teach, and instruct someone else according to what. Don't feel the pressure. you got to make someone be something. You be something. And we just go out and live our life. And that disciples people around us. Your, your actions, your life, it trains other people. It disciples people. Now, does that mean I will also sit down with someone, take them through scriptures, teach them how to pray? Teach? Yes, but I'm not trying to make them become something. I'm just doing something. See, I think the pressure in discipleship and where the church has lost its mission is where we get think my job is to change you. I got to get you to become something. No, I don't. I don't have to get you to become anything. I just have to live what's on the inside of me around you. And as you, as you ask, we're supposed to be salt and light. And as my life makes you thirsty because I'm salty... My life makes you thirsty. This is what we got to do with the world. We got to stop thinking it's our objective to change the world and it's to get in the world and be salt in it, infiltrate the world and just disciple the world and let them see Jesus. Let them see a different life. Let them see people that live in the same circumstances with a different attitude. How can you live in the same circumstances with a totally different perspective? I look at things from heavenly perspective because all authority has been given to Jesus and this is pretty much his jurisdiction. So what is a disciple? You say, well, am I, am, I, am I a disciple, Chad? Let me ask. Here's what a disciple is. A disciple is one who follows Christ, trusting in him alone for salvation, worshiping him, loving him with their whole heart, imitating his life by, by obeying his teaching, walking in the Holy Spirit, meditating on the word of God, engaging in prayer, and partnering with the body of Christ, the local church, resulting in the transformation of the mind, the heart, and the life, causing them to lead others to do the same. That's a disciple. 
Notice in there, I, I don't think I've read one time where it said, attends church. Attends church is something you do because you're a disciple, not to prove you're a disciple. If you think coming to church makes you a disciple, you've been deceived. Coming to church is what a disciple does. So here's what we're talking about. A disciple is someone who loves Jesus and follows his teaching. And because they do that, a disciple automatically will disciple others. It's part of the, part of the process. So now, how does how's this, uh, it implies this. So who, who are we supposed to disciple? Here's the part I think is important. Go, therefore, and make disciples make disciples, or go therefore and disciple what? Go therefore and disciple all. Go ahead, you can participate. You can just read it. It's right there in English. Go therefore and disciple all nations. Nations? Nations. 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 So the, the church is supposed to disciple nations? That sounds a little bit overwhelming. That sounds like a pretty big deal. Who is that? The word nations there, here's what it means. A large group of people based on kinship, culture, common traditions with physical and geographical ties, socio-political community. So notice what he says. As a result, as a result of the cause of all authority has been given to me, here's what the mission is to the church. Here's what the mission is to the Christian. He says, I want you to go out and I want you to disciple nations. Here's where I think a problem came. The church, I'm going to give you, there are seven spheres of influence in society. Arts and entertainment, economy, education, family, government, media, and religion. Here's the problem. What happened? I think the church felt like their objective, their goal, their mission was to get in the religion mountain, get saved, take care of each other right there, try and stay saved the best that they could until Jesus come and gets them out of this great, wonderful religion mountain and gets them away from these evil other six mountains. But that's not what the Bible says. The Bible says that I want you to go disciple nations. Disciple nations. That means arts and entertainment. That means we got too many Christians that thought they had a calling on their life and they told because they had a calling on their life they need to get behind a pulpit and start pastoring a church when they were really supposed to go out into the workforce and be salt and light and help take that nation, that mountain influence for the kingdom of God. We got too many people that's put their calling on hold because they thought they didn't want to preach. You're not supposed to preach behind a pulpit. You're supposed to preach at the office, at the school, wherever you are. Let your life be a discipling tool for the kingdom of God. We're not called to the religion mountain, church. We're called to all seven mountains. We're called to disciple nations. Nations. We're supposed to be the one influencing culture. We're not the one supposed to be influenced by culture. We're not supposed to hide in here and just pretend. Here's what will happen. Society will tell the Christians, they'll tell you, hey, you get in your little religion mountain. You have your little religious parties, your little gatherings. You just talk when we want you to talk. Give some nice charitable things. But whenever it comes to these other areas, you keep silent. I'm telling the church is supposed to have something to say in all spheres of influence. And that's what God has called us to be as a church. He's called us to reach this. Go over quickly to Matthew 16. I'll close here. Matthew 16, just a few pages to the left. We're supposed to disciple nations, 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 including the United States of America, discipling nations. 
And I'm just going to touch on this. I'll have to get more into Did I say Matthew 18? Matthew 16. 16. Okay, Matthew 16. Matthew 16. Look at this, what Jesus said. He's talking, answering Peter who said that you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Verse 17, and Jesus answered and said to him, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father who's in heaven. And I also say to you that you are Peter and on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. Now, hold on. When he says, I will build my church, that word church there is the Greek word ekklesia. When we talk about church, when we talk about that word, we think church, we think of this right here. We think of a gathering. That's not what Jesus meant. He said, I will build my ecclesia. Ecclesia was a legislative group. It was a group that was assigned to go into an area and influence and change culture. When Rome, this was in Roman times, when Rome would take over new territory, they spread out. They didn't just have their own area. They spread into other kingdoms who spoke different languages, had different cultures. When they took over a new group of people through war, their job of the ecclesia was to go into that culture, infiltrate that culture, and bring the kingdom of the governing authority, that culture, into that culture, and change it until it matched where their authority came from. This is what God has told the Christians to do. Get the authority of your kingdom and infiltrate all the kingdoms of this world until they become the kingdoms of our God. This is our job. This is our job. Our job is to show the world a different way. A different way to treat people. A different way to love people. A different way to walk in peace when everyone else is in fear. A different way to walk in boldness when everyone else is insecure. Not saying we don't have problems. I'm just talking about the authority of Jesus that is on our life. So God's just speaking to us. We need to remember our authority. We remember who's on our side. Remember our mission. What is our mission? I want to stir up and remind the church. Our mission is not just to attend services. It is to go, go, go and disciple nations. You're like, so what nations? What? Remember, people groups. People groups. What does that mean? Who's your people? Who are your people? Your friends, your coworkers. We said we hear disciple nations, and we think I've got to disciple Mother Russia. I got to go to Africa and change the whole continent of Africa. Disciple nations means people groups. That means you start with the people that you know. Disciple the people you know. Disciple your family. Disciple your friends. Disciple your coworkers. Guess what we're going to do? We're going to change culture when we take the, the authority that has been given to us and we exercise that authority to influence the people around us. I tell my kids, I tell people this all the time. Here's two, there's only two things. You are either influencing people or they're influencing you. If you're not the influencer in a relationship, you either need to get out of the relationship or put your big boy and big girl pants on and start being an influencer. I'm not talking about being a boss. I'm not talking about being demeaning or condescending. I'm talking about understanding. If you have Jesus in your life, you have the authority to bring people into a relationship that's going to bring them to their best selves. You got to do it. Don't call me out of my my best self and bring me down to do that stuff that I walked away from. I'm better than that because Jesus died for me. I'm going to influence people not because I'm perfect, but because he is perfect. I'm telling you, the world needs some leaders. Needs some leaders. 
I'm listening and hearing people talk around, but just people waiting on this and they give us permission to do that. I'm not waiting. I'm not waiting. I'm going to be a leader. I'm not being a leader like I want a bunch of people to follow me. Don't get it twisted. I'm not about that. I'm going to be a leader as in I know where I'm going. I know who I'm following. And anybody wants to come with me, that's great. Because I know if Jesus is with me, I don't have to be afraid what's going to happen. We don't have to be afraid of what's coming on the earth. we got to be excited about what's coming on the earth. Because if you call yourself a follower of Jesus, this is the most exciting time in the history of humanity. Been waiting my whole life for this. Enduring passive stuff to get to the place where we have to fight for our faith. Oh, maybe that doesn't excite you. But I'm like at the point, start telling me I can't do something. Come on. Come on, start restricting me. Come on, come on, start making some things illegal. Come on, start saying, start censoring and not putting things. There's a reason they're trying to keep people. Oh, Jesus, slow down, Chad, slow down. Slow down, slow down, slow down. Slow down. Simmer, simmer. You've got something. You got something. You got something to offer the world. It's time that we don't apologize about it. Some are going to worship. Some are going to doubt. Get over it. Some are going to say, oh, that's right. I want to be a Christian too. Some are going to say, you're an idiot. You're a fool. I'm not going to listen to you. Who do you think you are? You're going to get both responses. We can't live for the praise or we'll die for the criticism. We got to live and die for Jesus. Take the hits. Take the hits. Decide whose team you're on. You signed up for the army. Let's do it. You signed up to serve. Serving. Stand up in attention. Lift your head. I know a lot of crazy stuff's going on. But say, hey, I serve Jesus. He has all authority. I'm not afraid. I don't know how it's going to play out, but I know who I'm going to play it out with. We got to land a plane. Get excited. Two things. Do you know your mission? And have you grasped the rules of engagement? Thank you for listening to this week's message. If you enjoyed this podcast and would like to give, please visit us at theroads.church. To stay connected, follow us on Facebook and Instagram. You can also subscribe to our YouTube channel to watch our latest sermons.